everybody and happy new year pastor daniel here as we embark on a brand new year and as we we're about to launch a brand new campus in southwest portland i'm not with you guys today because i am preaching live over there in southwest portland wanting to pour into our brothers and sisters there but i thought since it's a brand new year and a brand new beginning and a brand new step of faith that we're on as a church i wanted to have our founding pastor dr bill ritchie come and share as he has led crossroads in many of these bold steps of faith so i know you know pastor bill you love him i love him blessed by him but we want to appreciate our founding pastor in a really profound way so let's all stand on up let's make a loud ruckus and welcome pastor bill ritchie I tell you what, <laughs> as much as things change, <laughs> wow, how cool is this? The old guy in a new year. <laughs> you know, if you think that you are enjoying things that the Lord is doing here, how do you think I feel? You know what I'm saying? To see all the incredible things that God is birthing and you know, we ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. Amen. The, uh, the campus that is, is launching in Southwest Portland, I think is the first of a bunch that you will see. And, uh, when God ever birthed this thing in the first place, he said, it's going to be beyond anything you can imagine. And he wasn't kidding. You want to listen to the Lord and you want to trust the Lord and he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. And uh, you, you never, ever want to forget that. Well, 2016 is over. Let's give it a hand, shall we? Yeah. Big hand for 2016. <laughs> now, I know a lot of you are saying, oh, thank goodness. You know, how many of you thought that 26 year was, 2016 was not a very great year? A number of you. Yeah, I've been reading a lot of people saying that. It was just awful. I think part of it was slightly favored, flavored by what was called an election. I'm just thinking that. You know, with all the bitterness and the rancor and the stuff that happened around that, uh, it got people pretty upset and, you know angry with each other and words were spoken that probably shouldn't have been and all that kind of stuff. And you kind of can't bring the bubble back like in a cartoon. Once it's out there, it's out there. <clears throat> and uh, a lot of people, famous people passed away. I mean, in every field imaginable, John Glenn. I mean, John Glenn was an icon. And which reminds me, did you hear Happened to hear the other day on the radio, they were playing a thing that because it was the anniversary of the landing on the moon and, and the astronaut that, that was reading read from Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I thought, whoa, I about pulled off the side of the road. I couldn't believe it. Wow, not happening today, but it sure happened then and it was very exciting. But John Glenn passed away and all these various stars, Gene Wilder, come on. I mean, Willa Wonka, but for me, it was really young Frankenstein, let's be honest. But uh, <clears throat> the, and then to end the whole thing with 
Princess Leia and her mom. Now, I hate to tell you this, but I knew her mom better than her. <clears throat> and some of the rest of you did too. You knew Debbie Reynolds and you remember, I see the whippoorwill. Remember that kind of stuff, the Tammy? I mean, good night. All these songs and dancing. And, and that's kind of when stars were really stars. And when, when they could do all this amazing dancing, singing, acting, I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And they didn't need some, you know, voice changer so their voice would sound okay and all that kind of stuff. They were the real deal. But, hey, it's over. 2016 is done. Yes! Here's a really important thing to understand about that. We call the past the past because it is past. Isn't that a concept? It's gone. It's history. You couldn't bring it back if you wanted to. And the only way that 2016 is going to exist in 2017 is if you try desperately to drag it into the present. But it's gone. It's over. Now we're in a brand new year. Oh, it's so wonderful to see that. Perfect. Hasn't been fouled up at all yet. Well, I may not be speaking for all of you. Some of you may have had a fight on the way to church. I don't know. <clears throat> or because somebody didn't get ready on time, or because for a variety of reasons. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a mulligan. Starting fresh right now. It's just like snow that has fallen and it's perfect and your dog hasn't even gotten out on it yet. You know what I mean? That's 2017. Now, you may have a few boulders in there. Maybe a wedding, that, a date that's set, or a graduation, or um, a move that's going to be made, or a different job, or, or, you know, you may have a few of those boulders, but the fact is, most of it is absolutely pristine. How would you like to have a fantastic new year? Anybody in on this? Fantastic? I don't mean good, I mean fantastic. You can, you know. All you need to do is just read the Word of God, trust it, and apply it, and it's going to be that regardless of what happens, absolutely regardless. I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, to Ephesians 5. Paul gives us in Ephesians 5, five keys for a fantastic year, for a fantastic life. They're simple, so important. <clears throat> and let's just break them down. It, it, it becomes a template, if you'd like, for your year. You, you do these five things, and I'm telling you what, it's going to absolutely set the course for things better in the new year. Uh, Ephesians 5, near the end of the Bible, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians 5, starting in 15, verse 15. He says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. There it is. Simple, right? Let's begin at the beginning. Five things. First thing, if you want to have a great year, is you want to walk carefully 
redeeming the time. That's verses 15, 16, and 17. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Walk carefully. Can't get more basic than walking. I mean, we learn it very, very early, right? It's just simply putting one foot in front of the other and moving forward, not running, not hustling, just walking. I love that he makes it that basic. It's pretty fascinating when you do the research. I was reading a book not long ago by a biomechanist. Her specialty, she's one of the greatest uh, people in the country right now writing on this. In fact, she has a blog that's out daily that a lot of people read. And uh, she talks about how simply moving is so important for our physical beings. In fact, she almost uh, calls into question running in the sense of like doing a marathon. You know, who in the world, what in, in nature does that? Do you see a dog going out there running 26 point whatever it is miles? No. They don't do that. They run like crazy, stop, sniff around, lie down, walk a little, this, that, and the other thing. And she says, even when it comes to walking, the best thing for your body, instead of doing a two-mile power walk, is to separate those into two different leisurely one-mile walks. It's far better for your body. Isn't that interesting? But walking is terribly important for all of us, just moving. And it's that basic when it comes to our lives in Christ. We want to be moving forward, walk, he says, circumspectly, carefully. We don't use the word, well, maybe you do use the word circumspect. I don't find myself drawn to it often. Oh, be circumspect with that, you know. <laughs> When was the last time you said that? Never. <clears throat> I don't know why it is some people choose to use some words. I was reading a book last week, and why this guy was so fixated on this one word, I don't have a clue. But at least three times in the book, he used the word quotidian. <laughs> quotidian, seriously? I mean, it was so ubiquitous in that book. <laughs> Quotidian, all quotidian means is daily. Duh. Well, why not just say daily, right? Walk circumspectly. That word, very important word. It does mean carefully, but if you're going into the, the, the word circumspect is really from the Latin, the Greek that the New Testament is in. Uh, the root of that means pointed. It means straight. Walk in such a way that you are walking straight after Jesus. Walk in such a way that your life is pointed after Jesus. Don't move to the left. Don't move to the right. Walk pointedly after the Lord. Wow. Pretty important, isn't it? Because the truth of the matter is, for most of us, we get distracted and we find ourselves not continuing to walk after the Lord, but rather drifting off to one side or the other. I think that's pretty common and it's happened pretty much since the garden. 
You know, I read through the Bible every year, so started again today, first three chapters of the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, God creates mankind, puts them in the garden, <clears throat> and says, you know, have at it. All the stuff that's in here, it's fabulous, more than you'll ever want or need. Uh, there's a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree of the knowledge of good and evil there in the midst of the garden, stay away from that. It'll kill you. Don't go there. Now, so here they had the path to walk on. <laughs> and what do they choose to do? Get distracted, right? Go to the one thing that's going to hurt them and boy, did it ever. And so what the Lord is saying to us is that he wants to walk, wants us to walk in such a way that we are following him and no other, no thing nor no other person moving forward. Walk circumspectly, redeeming the time. That means squeezing absolutely everything you can get out of every second, out of every minute for Jesus. Again, it's easy to just fritter time, to just throw it away as if we have it to spend. You know, the truth of the matter is, you're never going to, again, get the second that just went by or the minute, or the hour, or the day. Yes, you can binge watch Downton Abbey if you want to. You can binge watch whatever you want to, but is that, in fact, going to get you where you want to go? In fact. I don't know if you happen to see this, but I was watching a little video of a guy, <clears throat> and uh, a very interesting guy, Maury Bugert, in uh, Michigan. Did you see this? And uh, you can look the guy up, B-O-O-G-A-R-T. 91 years old. He's dying. He's in, uh, I don't think it's a hospice situation. It may be a hospital. You see him uh, in, in the bed. It's a hospital bed that he's in, and he's obviously wired up, and he's got skin cancer condition that's way beyond ability to fix. And a mass that they can't do anything about. He's 91 years old. And he's in this bed, and you would think to yourself, okay, you've got a few days, a few weeks, whatever it is. What is he doing? Well, on his left, he's got a picture of his wife of many years who passed away. And on his right, he's got this big basket that's filled with yarn. And in his hands, he has a hoop. He can't even see well. And he's knitting hats. And as soon as he finishes one hat, he starts another, and he starts another, and he starts another. He knits two and a half hats a day, and he has now knitted over 8,000 hats for homeless people. And he never stops from the moment he gets up until he goes to sleep. If he dozes off, as soon as he wakes up, he's back to knitting again. And it gives him meaning. It gives him purpose. He's not spending his time zonked out with some mindless television program. He's investing in somebody's life he doesn't even know. And they show pictures of these little kids coming in and looking through all the hats to find the color of the one they want because some he's, he's built for little kids and some for bigger people and so forth. Wow. And you just think to yourself, you don't even know if you have another day 
Are you sure you want to do that? And he just keeps knitting. And his daughter comes and picks up the boxes and takes them to the rescue missions and so forth so that they can be passed out on the streets. How cool is that? And you think to yourself, boy, oh boy, am I taking advantage of the hours of my days like that? Am I squeezing everything out of them that I can get for Jesus, really, truly making a difference? Whether it's in my home or it's in the place where I work or it's in the, it's in the club where I work out or wherever it happens to be, am I doing that? You want to have a fantastic year, it starts right there. Walk carefully, redeeming the time. Now, <clears throat> the second thing he says here is, be filled with the Spirit and not with the culture. Do not be, it says in verse 18, drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, Jesus' ministry, if you think about it, was launched with the descent of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he went into the waters of the Jordan there to, to where John the Baptist, his cousin, was baptizing, and John was startled and didn't want to baptize him, and Jesus said, permit it to be so now. And so John put him under the waters of baptism, and when he brought him up, the Bible tells us that, a, that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And a voice out of heaven spoke and said, this is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. Immediately he was driven in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil and bang, he's in ministry. And never, ever looked back. That Holy Spirit thing was the transition point. And so you think about the apostle Peter. Peter was a great guy. He, he would have been a fabulous hang. He's a guy who'd love, you'd love to go to a Seahawks game with Peter. I mean, he was just, you know, go over to the Red Robin with him, whatever. He's just a cool guy. I will grant you he was a ready, fire, aim person. I mean, his life just kind of rolled like that. He spoke and then thought about what he was going to say. And, uh, it's just the way he functioned. But he was a, he was a bigger-than-life individual. People loved to be around him and all the rest. But it was only when he was filled with the Spirit that things really started to happen in his life. In fact, it was true of all the disciples. You may recall there was a time when Jesus was up on the mountain with a few of the disciples. And... Already he'd been involved in doing radical healings and all kinds of things that had been taking place. And we know that he was gone and so there was a man whose son had all kinds of problems and he brought him to the disciples to be healed. Remember this story? And they couldn't do anything? Just kind of, wow, nothing? Okay, now you fast forward. Pentecost, Jesus said, you know, that he was going to don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. <clears throat> he told them that he had been with them, but he would be in them and so forth. And we know that in Acts 2.42, the fire fell. Bang. Jesus 
present in the person of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those people, and their lives were irreversibly transformed. And so suddenly you find Peter doing things that he never could have done or would have done because of the presence and the power of the person of the Holy Spirit in his life. You see him speaking words of knowledge. You see him bringing healing. You see him doing amazing things in the power of the Holy Spirit. Same thing's true of Paul. You know, Paul was on the road to Damascus. That's kind of, in, I, I just always find that intriguing whenever I think about this. If you stand, if you're in Israel, modern day Israel, and you're up on the Golan Heights. You've heard of the Golan Heights. It's just above the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee. And you're standing there and you look to the east. As you look out across this great expanse, basically you're looking at the outskirts of Damascus. You know, Aleppo and all these places in Syria, the thing we're reading about today. Okay, that's, that's where Paul met the Lord as he was going to Damascus. And the Lord dropped him in his tracks, and he was blinded and had to be led into the city and so forth. And it wasn't until a man named Ananias came, laid hands on him, and prayed over him that he was not only saved, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's when everything shifted, tectonic plate shift in his life. And that's when he really became the guy that you and I read about over and over and over again in the New Testament. It had everything to do with the power of the Spirit. Now, when I'm talking about being filled with the Spirit, I'm not talking about just some big event underneath a piano somewhere. Oh, people are singing in the background or something. I'm talking about opening your life and opening your heart to the power of God to fill and use you. You can't do God's work in your strength. You won't do God's work in your strength. You won't do God's stuff because that's God's. It's not yours. And he uses those vessels that are given over to him, emptied to be filled by him. You know, when Paul talks here about being filled with the Spirit, it's a continuing process. It's not a one-off. You know, be filled. Okay, that's done. Now on to the next thing. It's be being filled constantly with the Spirit. So every morning, afresh, it's Lord, fill me. Fill me. You can use me however you want to. Apart from that, I'm going to be making decisions on my own. I'm going to be taking directions on my own. But with that, watch out. We are lethal. Not me, we. The Lord in me. The Lord in you. The Lord in us. Be filled with the Spirit. You're going to be filled with something. Be filled with the Spirit, not with the culture. And that's the problem. Because the culture is so tempting. The culture always wants to move you away from the great things of God. The culture wants to somehow immerse you in things that have nothing to do with God. 
And we know, especially because of media today, how easy it is to get caught up in that. If you take just the election cycle as a case in point, we already have had a very incendiary culture. People getting madder by the day. I mean, goodness, you read about that. What was it last week where that little girl got grazed with a bullet where some individual road rage thing, he just got mad and boom, fires off around through her car, through her mom's car? What? And you're reading about this stuff. It's like it's picking up speed, right? And all these shootings and muggings and stuff that's taking place, vandalism and on and on and on. And, and then you see people arguing with each other and saying vile things to each other. Social media is about as bad as it gets. So that Facebook can become filled up with wizards of Oz, these little people behind a big curtain with a big microphone. You know, except they've got a keyboard just saying nasty things that they would never say if they were face-to-face. -face. Never. Horrible kinds of stuff. And it's easy to just get sucked into that nonsense. And apart from the power of the Lord, we will. That's why he says, be being filled with the Spirit. Not with the culture. Here he happens to talk about wine and dissipation. He talks about, you know, getting plastered, wasted. What's that about? Crashing into somebody on a freeway or getting high, same deal. Apparently, marijuana was not legal yet in <coughs> Ephesus, but... That's another discussion. <laughs> you want to be filled with the Spirit, not with the culture. <clears throat> Third thing, you want to speak things that build up. He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Back to that Facebook thing, trash talking seems to be just the way people go about life today. They wear T-shirts that have these just horrendous things printed on them, just boom, in your face. And they're, they're constantly doing stuff to, what would the election, if you think about the election, it was just one gotcha after another one. Who can we find out worse stuff about? And what can we say about them that will finally just show you what pigs they are? I got news for you. There is no one righteous. No, not one. That's what the Bible said a long time ago. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and so you read this stuff and you go, really? That's it? What else is new? Vile? Yeah, we all are. It's what you call humanity. Hello. But we find ourselves drawn to say those things that tear down. Now, interesting. Go back to that book of Genesis, first chapter. When God created Adam and Eve, it says he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. What you come to find is that Blessing and the giving of life are inextricably bound together. So that to bless essentially means to give life to. It means to add to. 
It means to enhance. It means to encourage. It means to build up. That's what we are given over to do in this world, to be making life better for other people. I've come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly, but what does he call us to do? To give it away. To give away that life. You want to be that person who brings joy into a room when you come in, not when you leave. (laughs) Because the joy of the Lord is your strength and you're there to just ignite people. You are there to bring joy to the party. You are there to bring peace. You are there to bring happiness. All that stuff. I was in a long line at Trader Joe's yesterday. And I finally got up to the cashier and she said something like, good night, what is with you? You've been smiling the whole time. (laughs) And this lady in front of you had this chip from hell. You know, the machine didn't want to work. It was taking forever. And I thought those things were supposed to speed. Well, I digress. But at any rate, (laughs) I said, why not? You know, what's the big deal? It's the day the Lord's made. (laughs) We'll rejoice and be glad in it. You know, I'm not going to have cart rage. (laughs) You want to do those things, you want to say those things that are an encouragement, however you possibly can. You should join me in one of my missions. I made it a mission a couple years ago to several times a day, three or four times a day, I post really positive things on Facebook. Every one of, I mean, I pray over that stuff. Every one of us is designed to lift up. It's designed to encourage. It's designed to inspire. It's designed to ignite. It's designed to bring life to. All that kind of stuff. Why did I ever stop, start doing that? because I looked around at what else people were seeing and hearing, and it was all designed to tear them down, to put them down, to put them in a place where God doesn't want them to be. You know, I read a book last week, fascinating book, not a Christian book, written by a social psychologist from Berkeley, Dacre Keltner, called The Power Paradox. Fascinating in that He talks about the fact that especially in relationship to people who grow up impoverished, that they feel powerless. And the culture continues in a variety of ways to remind them of just how powerless and therefore how worthless they really are. You know, when my mind started wandering about all this stuff and you see people who are upset because these homeless people are camped out over here. That's, well, how do they get there? This doesn't happen in a vacuum. They didn't just get up one day and say, oh, I've got an idea. I'm going to be homeless. You know, it just doesn't work like that. Who is saying those things, bringing life into the lives of those people? The folks that are in the line at Trader Joe's or Costco or Safeway or Freddy's or wherever it is you shop. They may be smiling, but their lives may be falling apart. How are you lifting them up, even in, the, in your countenance? You know what I'm saying? We want to speak things literally that build up. 
And we want to be committed to do that. When you are walking circumspectly, walking after the Lord, filled with the Spirit, that becomes a very natural kind of thing. Now, if you go the way of the world, then you're going to get the Galatians 5 statement that Paul makes. If you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And that's exactly what happens. That's road rage. It's just a downward spiral. Jesus made this beautiful statement in Luke 6. He says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. But an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you want your heart to be filled up with the good things of God, that that's what naturally comes out of your mouth. If that isn't what is naturally coming out of your mouth, that's telling about a heart condition. And that's what you need to be working on. Amen? We want to speak those things that build up. Next, we want to thank the Lord for all things. Giving thanks always, he says in verse 20, for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank the Lord for all things. <laughs> for the flat tire, are you kidding? <clears throat> you mean to tell me when I park my car at Chuck's the other day and some guy smacks into it and chips the door when I'm in getting soup, I'm supposed to be thankful for that? You mean I'm supposed to be thankful for cancer? You mean I'm supposed to be thankful for da 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 Yeah, he says, thank the Lord for all things. Got two choices, really. Gripe and moan and fixate on how awful it is. Or be thankful. See, I don't mean for this to be a newsflash, but... God didn't put a spike strip on your driveway to flatten your tire. He didn't cause that idiot at Chuck's to ding your door. He's not the one who said, I've got an idea. Let's give joy cancer. That is the way that works. Those things were going to happen with or without God. But God knew that it was going to happen, that it did happen. He knew that, knows all things. And also, we know it's true that God works everything together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So one way or another, as lousy as that circumstance may be, God can do a powerful thing in your life through that. Maybe you're going to transform the life of that person that you hunt down. No, <laughs> that <laughs> chipped your door. Maybe he's going to bless that person somehow. Maybe when you're going through chemo or radiation or whatever happens to be, maybe, maybe God's going to use you there to transform the lives of some people. I mean, here's poor old Maury from the world's perspective. What can that guy do? Knit? Are you kidding me? Well, let me tell you, if you're the little kid that needs that hat, you're going to be really glad that Maury did that. Really glad. And so you want to give thanks for all things. 
There is something about an attitude of gratitude that changes everything for the better. They've done so much research on this, both secular and religious, and it's true across the board. Thankfulness always changes things for the better, always. I mean, it it changes your heart rate for the better. It changes your brain for the better. It changes your relationships for the better. (laughs) Everything is better for grateful people. Isn't that something? So you want to be thankful for all things. Finally, you want to be in community. He says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. You want to be in community. God built us for relationship. That's how it all started, right? He could have created the world with no people at all, but he didn't. He created us, you and me, for relationship, first of all, with him. And then with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and Seth and on and on and on it goes, he created us for a relationship with one another. We are built for relationship, and in fact, our lives don't work right apart from relationship. Now, I know people here and there who say, well, you know, they're kind of lone rangers. They sort of do life on their own. They really don't need anybody. That's interesting. It just doesn't happen to be true. I have read a fair amount of literature over the past 10 years on aging for a variety of reasons. And I can tell you this. What you find is, especially as you age, relationships become increasingly important. They breathe life into you. That's why in the church, small groups exist. Because we need to walk the path together. We're not always going to be on our A game, let's be honest. Sometimes it's going to be hard for us to smile in the grocery store or to smile about anything. Sometimes we're going to feel as though our backs are against the wall or we're just up against it, or, or, or. And when that happens, what we need are the brothers and the sisters to be there with us, to walk the journey with us. So that when we weep, they weep with us. When they rejoice, we rejoice, they rejoice with us. I remember one time many years ago, I was a very young pastor, and I got a call. It was late in the evening. I was in bed, and I needed to go down to a hospital. Uh, They called me to come down because a girl had been... um, raped and her folks were there and she was there and so I got in the car and drove down there especially what, whatever I was then in my 20s what in the world did I have to bring to the party tears
That's it. You know what they needed? That. They didn't need a verse. Didn't need a message. They just needed a person. Relationship. We're built for it. We need it. When we're up, others can be up with us. When we're down, people can meet us. And if we stumble, they're not going to throw rocks at us. They're there to pick us up and brush us off and help us start walking again, putting one foot in front of the other to victory. We are built for community, so we need to be in community. Now, you want to have a fantastic new year? You do, I do, we all do. It's right here, really. He says it in such simple ways If you think about it, just one after another, walk carefully, redeeming the time. Be filled with the Spirit, not with a culture. Speak things that build up. Thank the Lord for all things. Be in community. Tell you what, you do those things, and you are going to have a fantastic new year. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we are so blessed by your life and by your love. We're so blessed that you would care for the likes of us. We know about us and we're not sure we would like us. All that stuff seems to make no difference to you. You just have love that is beyond anything that we could imagine that is willing to envelop us and breathe new life into us. You gave your only begotten son that we might have life through him. And as we've been willing to put our lives in his hands, it's made all the difference in the world. And we're here to say thank you. Lord, we're here to ask you, please lead us in this new year. May we hear your voice more clearly than ever before. May we see where you are walking and follow you more fully than we ever have before. May we be so excited about your presence and power and the Holy Spirit in our lives that Wow, Lord, you do these crazy, radical things that only you can do. God, would you give us a heart for one another greater than what we've had before and words to speak that build and build and build. Whether we have a day or a week or 50 years ahead of us, doesn't make any difference, Lord. Might every one of them count for you. I know there are some who are here today, Lord, who don't even know you. They've never put their faith in Jesus Christ. They know something's missing. They'd love to 
somehow fill the hole in their heart and you're here to meet them and to give them life this day in Jesus. As we remain in prayer right now, please respect this. If you are one who desires to put your faith in Jesus Christ today and have life in him today, would you raise your hand for a second? I just want to see where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. God bless you. I got gotcha. you. God bless you. I see you. Others, raise it up that I can see where you are. Make sure you get my attention. Got you, got you. Others, Lord, thanks for those here today. Thank you for the fact that they know <laughs> it ain't happening the way it's happening. And thank you that they're going to meet you here today and have that new life. Lord, I know there are some who are here who have been through deep waters, some with death of close relatives and friends, some with loss of a job and income, some with some debilitating diagnoses. I mean, all kinds of stuff, Lord. They're here with stuff. And I know it's going to be a touch from a brother or a sister in prayer that's going to breathe joy into their hearts today. Thank you for that. Thank you that we have brothers and sisters who love to pray and who love to encourage in prayer. Thank you for all that you intend to do now. We just say, bring it on. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.